passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Dynamite, the show where we watch Dynamite and then we rewind to the beginning and we recap the show based on the length of some of these shows, like uh, 0.75 times the speed of the actual Dynamite. We'll see if our review tops the length of AEW Dynamite tonight. Um, yeah, actually, these, <laughs> these, have, these have gotten longer and longer, uh, but, you know, have not, not heard any complaints whatsoever. So, in fact, like I've heard people happy that we've been uh, taking these a bit longer because there's a lot of news to talk about. There's always a lot of news to, to talk about, but um, front and center though is, is you way. Eh? How are you? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing all right as well. You know what I did uh, yesterday? What's that? I finally, I, I finally went for, for a bike ride on this new bike that I had bought and I've put off for just an obscene amount of time. I just have, uh, just let this thing like sit there. And then I finally said, God damn it. It's like the middle of August. So I went out for a bike ride yesterday. And it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I hear like now is like the best time, like, or at least like some of the lowest like rates of um, bike accidents that we've had because of oh, like the lack of traffic. Well, it's, they've, they've redone so many of the streets to not only incorporate bike lanes, but there's now, like they've spaced it out to where street parking, like it's a, it's to the left of the bike lane. So it was like, this may have been the case for some time because I just have not ventured too far from my area in quite some time, it, especially it, by bike. It has been like around Koreatown, like where Braden and Davey live, but now they've extended yes. it all the way up to like even where you live. Yeah. Yeah. I, w I went all the way, I went down to like Ossington. So yeah, it was just uh, reacclimating myself with the city. Oh well, how was it? It was great. It was great. I did. I, I covered uh, a lot of ground. Uh, I'm going to go out again tomorrow. Today was just one of those days. Wednesday, Monday, and Wednesdays are are typically the busiest days. I find Friday is uh, somewhat, and then uh, Tuesday and Thursday. Those are my days. I can I can have a bit more uh, free time. That's when you can day. you can like you know ride all the way to Hamilton. I bet. I don't know if I'm going to be going all the way to Hamilton. That would sound like something I would definitely have to work my, my way up to. But yesterday, I was just in the mood after talking with you for 90 minutes. Uh, I was going to make my remix. It's going to bike now. Oh, okay. Just got that. Yeah. Got, gonna... Because we have our first Rocky review that is up. Uh, 
tremendous reviews way to our breakdown of the dynamic that is Rocky Balboa and the dysfunction of uh, Pauly and Adrian. I really enjoyed talking about this film. Um, and, you know, thank you all for anybody who's uh, sent us feedback about it. Um, it. I didn't really know how it would go because it certainly is a bit of a de- departure from talking about a comic book movie. I mean, for one thing, we are talking about a film that, you know, has it is decades old and for many people, like, heralded just as a... I don't know, a bit of a untouchable kind of like classic, you know, not like a recent film or something like that. Um, but I thought like for me, there's certainly a whole lot to like bring up and certainly a whole lot to like re try to reinterpret in like a 2020 context. Um, and certainly a lot of things that like are just so masterful that you really have to appreciate just, you know, um, even now that are timeless. So I, I really enjoyed the discussion. It was when, not so much when I finished watching the movie. Like, I enjoyed going back and rewatching this movie. It's probably been 15, 20 years since I've watched uh, Rocky, any of these films, to be honest. Uh, but by the end of our review, I was ready to watch Rocky too. But what's the point of watching it now when – that's like uh, – it's like, wh- why would I peak for a, a review that we're not going to be doing for another four weeks? You give yourself some space. Give yourself some anticipation. That's what I yeah. need to do. Yeah. D- don't go for the instant gratification. Yeah. Yeah. So join us for – Wait, yeah, wait, and watch it at one times the speed. Don't, don't two times some of these. Uh, so yeah, join us for the ride. Uh, every month we're going to go through one of the Rocky films, and uh, it'll probably take us well into next year. So postwrestlingcafe.com for all of that. Uh, so while we're at it, let's just uh, look ahead. Uh, tonight, of course, up next is on the feed, the up next feed with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman on Thursday. Maybe the most actually, actually John Cena is on tonight's show. Oh, I'm oh wait, sorry. wait, sorry. David Portman is on the show. John Cena is on their Money Plane review on that's their what, Patreon. That's what I was going to say. This might be the big review of the week. Money Plane starring Kelsey Grammer and Adam Copeland. That all I can judge this movie on is the clips that Braden has posted. And this movie looks nuts. Like, it feels like... the. Remember when Conan O'Brien would... They got the rights to use, like, Walker Texas Ranger clips and they just pulled the lever and it would just be an out-of-context... Walker Texas Ranger clip. That's what I feel Kelsey Grammer is satisfying in this movie. Just out of context, Fraser Crane swearing. Fraser and Edge in the same film, in the same scenes, talking about Pollux. Yeah, yeah. Some very derogatory uh, descriptions of um, my my great, 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 great grandfather Jackson. Uh, wouldn't that be something if you're actually found to be related? Uh, are you? I mean, we're, we're both artists in different ways. Certainly, certainly. Uh, but yeah, uh, those guys are doing always great work on their Patreon, patreon.com slash up next. Uh, so you can check that out. And then on Friday, we're going to have rewind us. Oh, sorry. On Thursday as well. Uh, good friend, James Lynch, uh, MMA reporter, analyst, interviewer. He is going to be joining me for a UFC 252 preview show we're going to go through uh, a bunch of news items happening in mixed martial arts this week and then we'll look ahead to saturday's ufc 252 card and steve Miocic and daniel cormier the trilogy will end is how they are billing this one and it is going to be a very very big card on saturday night so you can check that out way and i will be live friday night 10 15 eastern time for all patrons with rewind to smackdown and then I'll be live again on Saturday night with Phil Chair Talk. We're going to be live right after the main card, youtube.com slash post wrestling. And I have been informed we will be taking phone calls 
on the UFC post show. So you can call in after SmackDown. You can call in after UFC. You cannot call in to the Rocky Maivia picture show because it's a closed set, only essential personnel. And those essential people are Nate Milton, Stephen Gutteridge, and MJ from NJ as they review the pilot for Ballers starring Dwayne Johnson. So a, a packed number of days coming up in Postland. Very exciting. Let's go into the news. And we're going to start with a item that just came. Uh, I just heard about uh, over the past hour, and that was a a scary situation at the NXT tapings, but it appears that it, uh, they were able to avoid uh, any kind of serious injury, but uh, they were taping a match for next week involving Johnny Gargano and Ridge Holland, and during the match, uh, Johnny Gargano took a, a really bad landing. Uh, I was told, like, landed, like, on his head, and they immediately stopped the match, and Gargano was got up and appeared to be okay and they ended up they did do a check on him uh both in the break they restarted and finished the match so this should look seamless next week that you probably won't even notice it because i can't imagine they'd leave that that spot in uh and then they were going to check up on him again after the match but it seemed like uh he avoided what what could have been uh, something very very frightening uh yeah i mean i i certainly hope you know um uh everything was checked and that he's perfectly fine if he and, and and the fact that he i think was able to do it i guess finish the match as well as even apologize to the audience for taking up their time i would hope would indicate that everything's okay um certainly you know uh he is not F- fingers crossed because yeah. yeah as i mentioned this only happened over the past hour so yeah like let's hope everything was was fine yeah yeah he's had uh some pretty bad luck with with injuries lately so um yeah hope hope he's okay uh we move on to raw numbers from monday night and the show did it was almost even when it came to viewership uh 1,722,000 viewers uh now unlike last week uh we were back to more of a normal uh pattern when it comes to raw where uh, they actually started off with a pretty good number for the first hour, just over 1.8 million viewers, which would be their highest for the first hour since June. Uh, it fell to 1.75 million in hour two and then 1.6 million in the third hour. So in terms of viewers, pretty much even with last week's third hour, but the big differences were, number one, the 18 to 49 number uh, was down from a 0.51 to a 0.47 this week. And it also did not enjoy the the big surge of some of the younger audiences in the third hour. Um, in fact, of the key demos, uh, males 12 to 34 were the only ones to see an increase from the first hour to the third hour. They were up six and a half percent. But this week, just overall from week to week, um, females 18 to 49 fell 25 percent. Uh, adults 18 to 34 uh and women 12 to 34 each fell 21%. And those demos are interesting because in adults 18 to 34, last week's Dynamite topped this week's Raw. And it wasn't, it was like a fairly sizable one, 0.29 to 0.22 in AEW's favor. And they also beat them in women 12 to 34, uh, 0.21 to 0.19. So as I said last Friday, way I think that the race is not really an AEW versus NXT one. It's the fight for the younger audience. There's certainly going to be categories where Raw is leaps and bounds ahead of AEW. But in those two categories, it's 
definitely a fight. And even in 18 to 49, like, yes, Raw is comfortably ahead of them, but we're talking like 0.1 of a ratings point between them uh, that, you know, the this this gap has been able to uh, close o- over this time. And that's what a lot of people are watching right now, this younger audience that AEW is, is building and Raw has been losing. Certainly. Um, and... Provided the this you know um, like standard of wrestling stays the same in North America, like in the years to come, the lead that Raw is enjoying right now is going to age out of that demographic. So what is this story going to look like? You know, several years down the line. I mean, certainly um, we're probably quite a ways away from it, but still, it bodes well for AEW that they're building their future audience right now at seemingly like the same rate as Raw is. Um, would you have predicted at least even a statistic like this at the beginning of the year, knowing that AEW was, you know, doing all this with opposition in NXT? That's that's a huge factor. Is that what what would AEW be doing unopposed, which which Raw has on on a Monday night to to look at this? Okay, so I just mentioned that the eighteen to thirty four number that Raw did this week was a point two two. If you go to the beginning of the year in that demo, they were doing. Uh, 0.51, 0.43, 0.57. Uh, so I would be telling you, no, I would not be expecting that. Like Raw, there were weeks they were more than doubling AEW in that demo. So that is a that that's a that's a major one that Raw has gone down and AEW has been able to to capitalize there. So no, I would not have predicted this at the beginning of the year uh, in terms of looking at the summer that. Even the gap would be close when you're talking about uh, like such a such a large distinction between the two. Yeah, I mean, think about this degradation. If there was an AEW, okay, let's say this was like any other year. Yeah, maybe there would have been a pandemic, and these numbers would have degraded the way that they have. Um, we wouldn't really have that other thing to look at on a Wednesday show to know that wrestling isn't all entirely suffering simply because of this pandemic. You know, with NXT and AEW being where they are, that is proof that wrestling can actually survive and even in some cases grow because of a pandemic. Um, so Raw clearly does not have that excuse. Do you are, are you looking long term that when we are coupling the NXT audience with AEW, that do you feel that the, you know, t- 30 year tradition of wrestling night being Monday night? It's slowly shifting that if there is that viewer out there who is going to dedicate a night to watching pro wrestling, it's might start to become Wednesday nights as opposed to Monday night that that has that's been wrestling night for a lot of fans for their lifetime. Yeah, it's very much happening. I mean, um, I would say like within our audience already, every week I hear about fans giving up on Raw or giving up on SmackDown and just strictly, you know, tuning in for what's available on on a Wednesday, for instance. The bigger concern is people giving up wrestling altogether, you know, and again, like if AEW didn't exist right now, how many people would just be not watching wrestling altogether, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's the challenge is keeping the wrestling fans interested in professional wrestling because there's simply so many other things that they could de- be doing right now. And, um, you know, thank goodness, like there's actually compelling stuff on Wednesday as opposed to, you know, the other part, uh, parts of the week that's not so demanding. You know, it's only two hour, hours out of your week, not three or, or, or five hours. So it, 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 to me, it's more so, you know, a question of whether or not wrestling fans will still watch wrestling rather than how many people are going to be looking at a certain day of the week as your prime wrestling day. Yeah. 
And I think that that's going to be the story tomorrow. When this AEW number comes out, it's going to be looking at at the raw numbers, how it how it compares, especially in those two categories. And is there like what 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 are the gaps that we're looking at? Like certainly, you know, once you're looking at the over twenty five audience, like that is that is raw's territory. But um, with these younger ones, that's that's something very interesting to watch. And when we're looking at the two as well, like the the major spotlight on this is. What, T- what TNT is paying for these numbers versus what USA NBC Universal is paying for Raw's numbers, and uh, like that's just a world of difference when TNT is reaching such a significant percentage and in eighteen to thirty four winning at a fraction of the cost that NBC Universal is paying. Like AEW is kind of the the money ball of cable television in terms of you know a relatively modest deal that they got and are doing. You know, tremendous numbers, which I think probably quell a lot of concerns people had about the big shakeup last week that, you know, AEW is on really solid foundation, even with the caveat that sometimes pro wrestling has done great numbers, but that doesn't always mean stability at networks. Is this more of a case, though, of like, you know, AEW certainly like I think doing well and by all accounts exceeding industry expectations that that were set when they debuted, but it's also... A case of your competition just simply doing bad too, right? I think there's both. I think that there's definitely um, a theory to people being turned off by the WWE product, but still wanting that that wrestling outlet. And AEW is being very smart to play to that audience and present something that does feel very different and more to the version of pro wrestling that they that they miss. Um, but I also feel that AEW, if you just just look at it. Like if WWE was thriving uh, and Raw was on fire, um, would that necessarily uh, extinguish the numbers that AEW is doing? I, I don't know. Uh, I think that a lot of it, AEW, it's like they're putting on a strong product and it's it's probably a mixture of the two. I feel like if Raw was really good, I think you would get wrestling fans watching both. You know, like we we kind of had at the start of this whole thing. Yeah, or would it just be I, – I would be curious that if Raw was to go through a big surge and let's say they increased their numbers by 25% and we were – you know, a star catches fire, does that just – does that rise – does that just increase the popularity of pro wrestling? Like does AEW get swooped up in that, that there's just a greater – like if you had a transformative star, uh, does that raise the profile of wrestling fans that – uh they enjoy WWE and they're seeking other wrestling as well. I, you think we? You think that would happen this year? Oh, I'm not. I'm not predicting that this year. I'm just saying that, like, if like WWE's popularity would that correlate to other companies getting a rise in popularity as well? Just because wrestling's hot, I think that would take like a big, big like movement. You know. For wrestling to get what, what if Shorty G got a growth spurt and all of a sudden the next star is there? Well, we don't know who's uh, under these masks in this retribution group yet. You know, we let the story play out and maybe we can talk. They're very happy people. They're very celebratory. Mm-hmm. But those are those are the clues that we have. What else do we have going on today? So New Japan has announced something interesting that for the G1 this year... The participants of each block are not going to be participating in the so when the when it's an A block day, that undercard 
is not going to be full of B block guys and vice versa. So they're going to keep the A block guys on their own shows and the B block on B block days. So I don't know what that means for the undercards. If they're going to fill it up with people who are either young lions or your Yuji Nagata types that won't be in the G one, but can still be on the undercard. But that would suggest that they're going to have pretty much like split crews for the entire G one. Like the undercard workers will only work the A block shows. And then you have another crew of undercard workers for the B block shows. Um, because I can't imagine they're going to be going to all these different cities and running, you know, four, four or five match tournament matches, and that's it. I think they'd want to round it out with, you know, two or three undercard matches. But obviously, like this is their coronavirus protocol that they they want to limit the people that are mixing between locker rooms and keep them distinct and away from each other. You know, it, it certainly wasn't something I was expecting, and and I don't know if it was even something like you know the audience demanded, and and so I think for New Japan to like, um. Uh, like do something like this to me indicates that they are still continuing to put safety ahead of a lot of other things. And certainly this comes at a time when cases are um, increasing in Tokyo specifically. So uh, it's important for them to take precautions like this. It also tells me that they must be pretty confident that they're going to have like pretty full rosters, like for the, for this G1 um, yeah. and, and like to, cause certainly they would probably do the undercards unless they shorten these shows with, but with an audience, I can't necessarily see that happening. So they must be pretty confident that they'll have enough people, both for the G1 and to fill separate undercards for two leagues, essentially. Yeah. And I mean, it's something that you could see WWE was trying to do with Raw and SmackDown, where it would be certain brands would tape on one day. And I mean, that isn't always going to work out when you had the pay-per-views and you know, for this week they're taping raw and SmackDown on Thursday. So, I mean, it's not going to apply there, but when we had that schedule layout like that, you could see that that was a concerted effort to try and do like, these are raw days. And then we would have SmackDown days and try to limit um, the, you know, just different people that you could keep in, you know, their own, (laughs) the WWE version of the bubble. Mm Mm-hmm which is very different from other bubbles. Uh, we didn't talk about this uh, Monday, but I wanted your thoughts on the NWA announcing that they're partnering with uh, the United Wrestling Network, and they're going to be doing weekly pay-per-views on both traditional pay-per-view and through Fight TV. They're going to do these on Tuesday nights starting September the 15th, and it's going to include talent from the NWA, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and Championship Wrestling from Arizona. And... I'm just curious way that granted this is probably going to be a lot less of um, costs involved in terms of putting these on that maybe you can make a go at this with like a small number paying. But I would say you're, you're trying to appeal to a, an audience that even on a Tuesday night, they've got options like an impact or AEW dark and you're asking people to pay and we don't know what the price point's going to be, but do you see this being viable at all? Um, I feel like this is something that they're probably not expecting huge numbers for. I can't imagine in like a as crowded of a landscape as professional wrestling still is, even like amongst this whole pandemic, especially on a Tuesday that, and, and with the price points of like networks and, and things right now that like, what, what, what would be a realistic price you could imagine for a show like this? I I can't imagine you're, you're talking anything more than $10. Mm -hmm. And even at that, um, like I, I would think like if if you're going to do this, 
you have to keep costs at a very low amount, which I think they probably will do. And I would also uh, – this goes to our discussion the other night of maybe you offer that, hey, spend this amount and you get two months worth. And then you've at least locked people into a price rather than depending on people to make that decision every Tuesday night to drop five or ten bucks. But in terms of a ceiling, like I would say $10 absolute max per week and, and may, maybe even that's high. That's the sense I get too uh, because, you know, you're going to have people comparing what they're paying for the network, what they're paying for New Japan World – uh, versus, you know, what they would get for these one-off shows. Uh, you know, but at the same time, like, this is a crew that has not been able to work for quite some time. They've obviously, you know, been dealt huge, 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 like, um, setbacks with with the whole David Lagana situation. And um, I'm sure, like, at this point, they just want to give this crew some work, um, make some money for the brand, and, you know, hopefully create some compelling professional wrestling to keep that name afloat. Yeah, because we're now at the stage where I think we're seeing all these companies that have been on the sidelines. They're now assessing, okay, what is, what is the next step? Like we've heard ROH is going to be coming back this month with uh, shows in Maryland. MLW, who had been you know among the most, like we will be the last ones to go back. Now they're entertaining the idea of coming back as well. It seems that you know the companies that you know did not have the financial incentive to return without fans – they're they're now at least tabling the like how can we do this knowing that you know it's it's going to be a long long time before fans are introduced and it's everyone coming up with the creative ideas they can like drive-in uh wrestling shows are becoming you know more uh normalized we've got uh gcw that have run shows out outdoors at parks um it's just all coming up with like different different ideas of how to do things. I, I saw like the aerial shot that a uh, warrior wrestling did last Friday, where it's just on this large football field at a high school and everyone is spaced out. And it was like a uh, very cool graphic uh, just to see like everyone spaced out. And I mean, that's, that's kind of where these promotions are. It's like, how creative can we get uh, to come back? And I, I think it's relying on fans to, Hey, like, you know what state these companies are in right now, throw a few bucks and you're, you're, you're supporting more than just a night of pro wrestling. It's, it's keeping these companies going as well. That's kind of how, how I feel about some of this NWA stuff. You know, I, I know that there are probably a lot of people, myself included, who are big fans of like the roster that we would uh, see week to week from on NWA power. And um, I, I feel like so much of this might come down to whether or not those particular fans want to see these people continue wrestling. Um, so, you know, like in that sense, you're probably only catering to hardcores anyway. And therefore, uh, even though you and I, or, or at least a casual person, might look at $10 for one of those shows as not great value compared to what else you might get. Um, if you want to see these particular wrestlers or if you want to see this type of wrestling or this brand, I don't think $10 is actually like that too much to ask. Yeah. And I mean, if you, I mean, it's to me, it's just, it's, very small margins you'll be working in like to me for one of these shows like what what would you guess would be your ceiling of people that would be uh, for show number one which you would think would have the most interest like mm -hmm. i'm looking at 500 buys would be a big success uh, well i don't really have too good of a gauge of like how i-pay-per-views even do um so you know like what what are even the numbers on like an nwa power I mean, it, different because you're not charging people, but they were doing, you know, they were the first shows that were doing so, like 
well, let's just say like what what's a good conversion rate, you know, of all the people that watch watch NWA Power? How many percent do you think would actually give a chance to to pay for one of these ten like you know weekly pay per views? I I would think that hmm, like ten percent would be what I would 10% be aiming for. Would be good. Um, that might be very high yeah. for what like I'm just I, I just picked up a random episode here from May. They did 162,000 views on YouTube. Now that's also views, you know, views exactly. Yeah. It's not indicative someone watched the entire show all the way through. Like honestly, like I would be looking in the, like the 500 buy range would be what I would be pegging these shows at. I mean that's better than zero, which is it's better than zero doing right like, now. If it's and that would and if you're looking at a very small audience, how high are they willing to spend? Like then you're looking at okay, if it's if we have 300 hardcores that are guaranteed to buy this at five dollars, are they also guaranteed to buy it at ten? Because if then like we're working with such a low number, let's get ten out of them. But is that going to work by week six? Are they going to be still dropping those ten dollars? Um, mm-hmm. if that's the price point. So it's it's an interesting experiment. I, I think they certainly have their work cut out for them. It's it's very difficult to make it on just weekly iPay-per-views and trying to get people to spend money on your product every week. It's going to be tough for so many, like it is tough already for so many, you know, independent wrestling companies. Uh, like think about all the places that are even smaller than, you know, what, all the all the places that we've discussed right now who don't even have the capacity probably to rent something like a football field or a football stadium. Like, it's it's it, entertainment, it, it, you know, in itself is is taking a huge hit, and and certainly wrestling being the niche product that that it is is going to, I mean, has already been feeling all all the effects. So um, maybe we haven't heard about a lot of that until uh, these moments, but certainly you're probably going to hear a lot about you know people trying really hard for creative ways to keep going, and maybe some like bad news to come as well. Unfortunately. Uh, two quick MMA notes here. Uh, this Saturday's UFC 252 card, they lost one of the fights that was scheduled to be on the pay-per-view main card with uh, Iwan Kudalaba diagnosed with COVID-19. He was set to have uh, his light heavyweight rematch with uh, Magomed Ankalaev. So that fight is off. Uh, they haven't, as of yet, announced uh, what undercard fight will be bumped up to the pay-per-view. And uh, this coming from Ariel Hawani at ESPN, Paige Van Zant is not going to Bellator. Um MMA Fighting reported that uh, Scott Coker told them that they made her an offer. She declined, and Paige Van Zant has instead signed a multi-fight exclusive contract with Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. I heard about that. Um, seems to be a pretty shocking decision for a lot of people. Must have been a hell of an offer, um, and one that I, I think that you can... I mean, it's going to bring attention to Bare Knuckle, but I, I don't know if this is the best career move for... Paige Van Zandt, regardless of what the figure is. But I was I was thinking she would end up in Bellator. I thought there was an easy fight to make with Alima Leigh McFarland, but you kind of weigh that with Paige. I mean, she is she she has been very inactive. She's had a ton of problems. Um, she, she's broken her right arm three separate times since 2018. She's had a tough time with that arm uh, and is coming off a pretty decisive loss to Amanda Hebos at the July UFC 251 pay-per-view. Um, you know, you've, you know, you've followed Paige Van Zandt's career in terms of her celebrity. Do you think that it is at its level it's been for many years? Do you think it's somewhat diminished? Like where, how, how much of a star do you see Paige Van Zandt, uh, in terms of bringing a, a spotlight outside of the UFC to her fights? 
I think a pretty good deal. You know, I'm somebody who really has not been paying attention at all uh, to her recent fights, nor like much of what what is going on in UFC proper. But she's a name I recognize. Obviously, like she is, she is like very attractive, and therefore I think will attract attention just simply based on like you know her um, charisma and, and as well, of course, her appearance. So she'll bring attention to both this bare knuckle fighting league as well. Uh, she would have brought great attention to Bellator as well. So. Um, I think she's still of great value regardless of her win-loss record. There was a time WWE was very interested in using her, and she was open to it at the time, but it was just like it conflicted with her her fighting. And it would not surprise me if they revisit something with Paige Van Zandt now that she has left the UFC, and maybe that is an option down the road because she seemed very keen to to do it. It just didn't work out timing-wise for her. Do you think she has that, like, within her? like professional wrestling? It's hard to say. What she does have going for her is that she's 26 years old. If she really wanted to be serious about it, like she's a great athlete and very, very charismatic. Um, I I think like it's something if, if her head is in like in terms of doing it, I think she could. Um, But it, it would, it would take, I think her being like all in on doing it in terms of like a one off. I don't know if Paige Van Zandt is at that level today that she would warrant doing like a one-off big match like at a WrestleMania or something. Like I just don't see her uh, at that level. I would think that they would be more interested in her being there for a prolonged period of time and that would take her kind of dedicating herself to pro wrestling. But she's young enough that she could do it at some point, but it all rests in kind of what what her interest level is in pro wrestling. I don't know if she's like a, a big enough star to like make a difference for a pro wrestling audience. You know, no, I think it'd be very contingent on what idea they had for her because it would get some novelty buzz from the MMA audience. But mainstream, like I, I I'm with you, like, I don't think it would be that big of a deal. Like I'm saying more than Pat McAfee, but certainly not at the level of, you know, some of the other crossovers we've seen. Like we've because we have seen so many crossovers like you either. I think it's been proven you either have to be a certain standard of star in order for people to excuse your lack of aptitude for professional wrestling or you just simply have to be really good at professional wrestling, like we've seen with a Shayna or a Matt Riddle. And Paige is kind of where I place, like, is kind of in, in that level for me. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I weigh it on how much they're into it. Like, for, for all you want to say about, like, Pat McAfee, like, he's all in on it. Like, I'm, like, that is a guy that is going to put everything into this match with Adam Cole. And I, I think you know that. This is not a guy who's coming in and just doing this, like, haha, it's pro wrestling. Like, you can tell he's, he's he's serious about doing this. Yeah, I haven't seen NXT today yet, but um, we'll see what that next chapter looks like. Dynamite from oh. Daly's Place. Oh, almost forgot, John. We have a giveaway. That is true. We do, everybody. Uh, here at Post Wrestling on Rewind to Dynamite, we literally give you the shirt off ways back. Uh, we are going to reach into the list of Post Wrestling Cafe members, and you will be walking away with a brand new t-shirt. And Way, who is that lucky winner this week? Congratulations to Victor Kostov from... Victor Victor Kostov? Okay. Why? Do you know him? No, I was thinking of uh, the wrestler Kozlov. Remember him? That was Vladimir Kozlov. That's who I was thinking of. That's totally different. Um, Doesn't even sound remotely close to this. And especially, well, it could be an alias. It could be an alias. Well, if if Vladimir Kozlov 
half happens to have moved to Malta, then maybe you would have um, a theory. Didn't we just have a winner from Malta? What? Didn't Did we? we not just? I could have sworn you recently talked about Malta. Oh shit! And I'll disqualify this guy if. No, it wasn't. The, it wasn't the same name. It definitely was not the same name. Are you sure I about think... this? I'm oh, pretty sure we did. We, we had... did. We did one of these video messages for somebody in Malta. I, I don't think it was that far. Well, anyway. we did a video message in June. Yeah, this feels like last week we were talking about Malta. What? Yeah, we were talking about Malta last week. Did you send anything to Malta recently? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. You know what? I it probably was the video message. I made a Maltesers joke. I think. Okay. Did you? <laughs> I don't know. Dude. God, I, I love. I love Maltesers. Maltesers are great. Yo, Maltesers. Or Whoppers. Maltesers. You know what I mean, right? Like, not, not yeah, the Burger Yeah, yeah, not the Burger King. Yeah, I know, the chocolate. Yes. Yeah. Um, Maltesers over Whoppers is my pick. What the fuck is the difference? Same shit. Yeah, it's just different. Different mindset. Well, anyway, this guy from Malta wins this shirt. So, congratulations, Victor. Uh, you win a shirt of choice from store.postwrestling.com. Congratulations. We sent to Malta. M- maybe multiples. Multiple, Malta Pulse. <laughs> oh, it's going to be one of those shows. All right, Dynamite. Featuring our invited fans that are in the house. Yeah, they, they made special, um, I guess, effort to point, point this out that this week there are fans in attendance. Invited uh, fans, they did uh, stipulate. Uh, and, and they were, to their credit, they were masked. They were masked. I don't believe they were distanced. Mm, not really. But they were masked, and according to JR, this is playing by the rules. So uh, these are the rules. They are masked. Um, yeah. So that's the difference this week. You know, uh, the idea to bring a crowd in, I I feel like, to me, has has something to do with, like, creating the atmosphere of noise that you might get from, like, just those extra few people, right? Because what, what benefit does it serve AEW to just bring in, like, I don't know, what would you say here, 20 extra fans? Other than like the potential to mic them, yeah, and I, I can't say it makes like a appreciable difference. No, um, not this show. It was very noticeable on this show, like the lack of audio sweetening compared to, of course, like a tape show like last week. Yeah, like I, I just think it's something like Daily's place. Like the benefits outweigh the negatives of an, of a being outdoors. Like I think that overall is a safer environment, but the noise like does not travel through. The screen, like all that, like it's such an open air building that I don't think you're really benefiting from these fans that are a significant distance from from the ring that you're not really picking up that much more having an extra 30 people there. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't contain the sound as well. Um, is it better than not having them? Um, For, for sure. these live, like to be honest, like I would be simply relying on the people that are there to be ringside and... Like, I don't think it's a bad idea what NXT is doing where they're not live live, but they have, you know, they're on tape delay and and you can enhance the sound or you just rely on the people that are ringside because that's who we're hearing. I don't think we're hearing those 30 fans. I think we are. I think they, they like it's even though they're not sitting close, it's possible to, to drag a, a several mics all, all the way over there. Um, I'm sure they're mic'd over there. Yeah, I guess it's just it, it's really hard to tell because I was the same with you. Like I found like there was a lot of kind of flatness to the sound, and it's a very big difference between this and the tape show, which uh, which we get on the bye week. Yes, 
The Young Bucks come out. Uh, once again, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Taz on commentary. Uh, it was reported last week by Dave Meltzer that Excalibur is expected back on the in two weeks from now. So um, not on this cycle of tapings, but the next one. So he'll, he'll have pretty much taken four weeks off? Yeah, he'll have missed... Uh, or more than that. Well, he's missed two already, right. and he's going to miss this one, and he's going to miss that Saturday one. Um, so, yeah, hmm, it looks like four. four episodes he'll be gone for. Okay. The Young Bucks come out, and they're jumped by the Dark Order, and that sets up our opening match with the Bucks against Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Matt leaps off the stage with a dive and is selling his back. They got the heat on Nick, and... Jim Ross is teeing up Cody and Scorpio Sky, which he says could be the match of the year tonight. No pressure, guys. The match of the year. I mean, it's not going to be the greatest wrestling match ever or anything like that. No, he only said uh, match of the year. So keeping it uh, reasonable, I guess. Uh, Ross and Taz got into an argument about Uranagi versus Rock Bottom. Um, doesn't the Uranagi come with like a bit of a spin? Uh, like Like... Like the Hiroshi, Hiroshi Hase version would, yes. Taz's argument was that the Uranagi predated the rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah. I think for all purposes, we go of course. with Uranagi here. I mean, it's like a legit judo move. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was Ross bringing up the, uh, if it was, it should be the rock bottom. Uh, we had Nick come in and he tells the camera, best comeback in the business. And he proceeded to have a hell of a comeback. I mean, this is a uh, a statement that he certainly lives up to. Uh, he tossed Stu Grayson over the guardrail, and then Grayson came back with like a springboard off the guardrail into a super kick. And then in this incredible spot, Stu Grayson comes off the ropes and balances off the shoulder of Uno, then walks across the shoulder of Nick into a Hurricane Rana on Matt Jackson. It was done really well. Yeah, I, I feel like this has been attempted by somebody else. I'm not even sure if it was them. And, it, you know, the margin of error, I think, is... Well, we saw Jeff Hardy I... once tried to do this across ladders, and it didn't work so well at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. This was off shoulders. Yeah. Got, like, bones. You've got movement. So what are you saying? Shoulders are better than ladders? So next time I have to, like, you know, fix a light in the house, I should... No, I would say shoulders, shoulders. it would be harder to balance on a shoulder because of the movement. And you put weight on someone, they could shift. Ladder should be like a a sturdy, level object to step on. But depends. Uh, They did the 450 cannonball combo, but Nick kicked out of the 450. Then there's a brain buster to Nick, along with a flying knee from uh, Grayson in midair. Matt makes the save. They go for fatality, but it's countered with Nick going for a sunset counter and stacks Evil Uno in 12 minutes and 12 uh, 12 minutes, 28 seconds. And then on their way to the back, Nick just looks and yells, Tag Team Appreciation Night. And we started Dynamite off with a pretty solid tag team appreciation match. I thought it was a good match. Um, but I feel like for me, I, I was probably, you know, my own victim of like setting my expectations a little too high for this one, considering the history behind these teams. It felt like a really good match, but um, I, I, you know, it felt like a match I would see between two typical tag teams rather than a match between two decade long rivals. Like, they had positioned these two on this show. Um, And I feel like a lot of that has to do less with execution and more to do with the way the match was designed. I didn't feel like there were a ton of 
like memorable big holy shit type of type of moment like i would envision in a Reseda, for instance nor like were there many like or any false finishes included here and the finish i have to say was like pretty cheap boy the fatality comes from waiting no no, no. like i mean just like what walking matt into the entrance and then having dark order stand in front of him that's right yeah they took matt and dumped him into the tunnel and then dark order created a human wall to block (laughs) matt from getting through yeah i mean i think that kind of (laughs) sucks as a finish don't and they won. I mean, they won. They still won the match oh, no. even without Matt. Um, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed like the action in this. Um, I, I wouldn't say, you know, the Bucks have been on quite the string of matches between the, the 12 man, the eight man that they had with uh, FTR involved a few weeks back. And then that butcher and the blade match. So I don't know if this was quite at that level, but I, I enjoyed the match. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. Again, maybe a perfectly fine match. I had higher expectations, I suppose. MJF came out of his room with the security detail, shoved Lee Johnson into the wall, telling him to stay out of his shot. And then throughout the night, we had these tag teams asked who your favorite tag team is. And I thought pretty much all of these felt pretty flat. Like they were so short. And first up was Omega and Paige. Omega said his favorite team is the Young Bucks. Page said, I thought we would be. And Omega calls the Bucks the gods of tag team wrestling. They reinvented it. And that was it. I mean, continue sort of like the story, right? You know, yeah. Omega almost like siding more with the elite than even his own partner. And Page feeling like, you know, less connection to the rest of the elite. MJF is at the podium. He yells at Nina. The updated polling, he's now polling at 500%. And... Today is the day their belief in their leader dies. Dictator John doesn't care about you or else he would be here. So he's setting this all up as if Moxley is not here. Unfortunately, earlier in the day and earlier in the broadcast, they made it very clear John Moxley was going to be here. Earlier in the day and earlier earlier in the broadcast. Like they plugged they the that? John they they plugged it and yeah, as they were teeing up the show, they said John Moxley will be here tonight. Oh, what what is the logic then? Well, it seemed <laughs> like it was on. It was. It just seemed like different. Like the, this was almost set up like this would be a surprise run in by Moxley. But I mean, they also, I guess, want to plug that Moxley was going to be there. So it was just kind of being on different pages here. He says John is afraid of change. He is not used to a wrestler that won't just happily look up at the lights. So MJF then moves the podium and lays down in the center of the ring and cuts the rest of his promo staring up. And this made for a a, a cool look for this promo. It was a unique visual, yeah. He says he started this campaign because the company deserves leadership. John isn't a leader. He's a dog chasing cars who wouldn't know what to do if he caught it. And he has caught the finest automobile, the AEW title. But it's time to fork over the keys. We deserve better. And Moxley's music plays, and MJF sends everybody out to the crowd because that's where Moxley enters through the voms, through the vomitorium. And man, I've never heard that term. Have you? uh, No, I looked it up. Vomitorium. The legit term is yeah, vomitorium. That doesn't sound pleasant at all. No, no, it sounds like something that you could come down with, and it could be very terrible. Um, But yeah, sounds messy. um, John did not come through the vomitorium, but instead he came through the tunnel 
and he attacked MJF from behind, threw him into the podium, and hit the paradigm shift. And he says that they won't even uh, wait until All Out. Uh, he's going to teach him humility after MJF nearly cost him the title last week, and MJF is holding his neck to end the segment. I like the idea of like MJF doing the promo on his back, set up the premise well here with... Um... Maybe like I I I I'm like expecting something a bit more stinging, you know, with this whole feud, like something a bit more personal. I didn't really get it here. I mean, I feel like MJF said it really good, but it was more like something. It was like he was criticizing Moxley for mm, not being a good leader, not knowing what to do with the belt, and also for holding people down. And it 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 just for some reason like feels like it it's not all that believable. Like it feels like it is, you know, somebody trying to make up a reason to hate somebody, buddy rather than something personal and something a bit more realistic, which is what I've come to expect from like MJF promos and uh, as well, like John Moxley feuds. Yeah. I think you wanted to hit that, that next note to be, you know, something stinging on Moxley that this promo, I almost kind of wish that they didn't get to the physicality so soon. Uh, in this ma- in this this program, but at the same time, we're we're three weeks out from this pay per view. Like it's kind of creeped up that like all out is only a few weekends away. That um, like it feels like this pay per view, like everything's been simmering. Like you can see where a lot of the programs are going, but this is one that you know it was pretty much like that that promo from was it last week? Like that was the kickoff for this whole thing. It's like it's a three to four week buildup. You have to remember like, you know, next week's show is going to be on a Saturday and very likely uh, with a smaller audience and what we'll see this one. So um, maybe that's a case for them to really rush it because, or at least rush it more than, you know, typical because they really realistically only have two more Wednesday dynamites. Um, They've got next How week many? is Saturday. One following more week, dynamite. the following week, they're supposed to be on Thursday and then they've got a Wednesday, the week of, going into the pay-per-view. Yeah, so the next two weeks, they're not even going to be on their usual time slot. So realistically, like if you're somebody who is a casual viewer only checking in on Wednesdays, you're only going to have one more edition of Dynamite left before All Out. They replayed Matt Hardy taking the uh, errant chair shot from Sammy Guevara last week. And Alex Marvez interviewed Hardy. He says he's out for 10 more days before he'll be cleared. And he's going to make Sammy bleed. And he's been cleared for Saturday, August 22nd. It's amazing timing how this chair shot and the stitches are going to be removed. And he will take, he said that he will end Sammy using his rage and, and fury. And I mean, I left this segment thinking, okay, they're doing the match. But when they did the whole rundown, they did not include this match. Yeah, that's right. Did he say a match here? Or, he, or just a he said he was going to end Sammy and that he's cleared. So perhaps they're just going to do some segment where it's a big fight or Matt's going to attack him or something. And that leads to the match. I don't know, but it was, uh, it seemed odd like this to me. I took it as the match announcement, but yeah, they didn't promote it by this point. Like because of the severity of that cut, I mean, if they wanted to save this for all out, I feel like they, they can, you know, it almost feels almost too quick to blow off in the, the very next match. Yeah, so maybe it's just going to be an angle we get on the next dynamite. Because you're right, it is it is too soon to do the match. You could you could hold it off a few weeks. They're also doing like the idea that Matt is like malfunctioning as a result of this 
cup. That's right, because he saw someone walk by that looked like Sammy with a baseball cap. Looked had- nothing like Sammy Guevara. Well, okay. that was supposed to be the idea. That's he's malfunctioning, yes. And he attacked this dude, and it was referee Mike Posey. Yeah, I mean, maybe the same height, maybe. But, okay. It was Mike Poser. Cody versus Scorpio Sky in the match of the year for the TNT Championship, featuring Mike Kyoto. Oh, Kyoto did this one too. I didn't even notice. Yep, Kyoto was okay. the referee here. This was our first introduction to Kyoto, thirty-three-year uh, referee with WWE. Yeah, so one of the people that were uh, that was let go um, was he a regular referee? Like even oh yeah re- recently, because I don't even notice anymore who the referees are. But okay, so yeah, making the move to AEW, interesting. Yeah. So, also the debut of the complete AEW TNT Championship. That is correct. Yes, he uh, Cody came out, and it was the finished version of the TNT Championship, and he came out with his gigantic entourage consisting of Arn, Brandy, Dustin, Ali, and QT Marshall. Everyone was out with him. That's the Nightmare Family now. Um, yeah, so, like, these gold plates, <laughs> that took, like, like four months to arrive or something like that. Um, they, uh, they certainly, like, I think they make the belt look better. By this point, I had, like, pretty much gotten used to, like, the regular belt anyway, so it's, like, I mean, it's fine. Does it change your opinion on it at all? Or did you even have much of an opinion to begin with? None. Like, it's, to me, it's, belts are, nine times out of ten, you introduce a belt, and 90% of people hate it. And within two weeks, 2% of people hate it. And then everyone's indifferent to it. And that's the story of most title belts. Like, you got to really fuck up a belt for it to be a consistent source of hatred among people. Like the Jeff Hardy belt? The Jeff Hardy belt, the the butterfly title, like, outside of that. I mean, they even got away with the spinner belt for years. So, uh, like so, that tells yes. you, like that that was accepted after a period of time uh, by most. Is it acceptance, or is it more so just people giving up because they know it's not going to change? Well, that's what I call acceptance, even if it's reluctant. Got it. Okay. Um, everyone but Arn and Brandy left, and each are getting frustrated early. Cody holds up the ropes for Sky to come back into the ring. Sky declines. Uh, they go through picture and picture, and oh, Scorpio Sk- Sky had that unique entrance. Oh, right, where he kicks down the door. Yeah, they put a door up where, where like the of of the tunnel, and he kicks it down. Yeah, that's when you can't screw that up live. Like you got to kick the door down because if you just heard a big bang and like he fell or something, yeah, or it just half broke, mm-hmm. you got to kick the door down fully. Sky goes after Cody's ribs. Uh, they tell that story. He applies a, an abdominal stretch, and Cody hip tossed his way free. Uh, there was a leaping cutter by Sky onto the stage. Later, Cody goes for the superplex, and on landing it, Sky hooks the leg for a two-count, goes for the TKO. It's countered into the crossroads. Sky kicks out for the big near fall, and then Sky goes for another leaping cutter. This time, it's blocked, and Cody hits a second crossroads for the win in 11 minutes and 45 seconds. Was this your match of the year? No. Oh. <laughs> well, the year's not over yet, so... That's true. You have to keep an open mind. Yeah. Was uh... this your match of the night? You know, that's a better question. And um, I, I think, you know, like maybe judging by my level of expectations and what was met, 
I feel like this one actually came really close. So it very well could have been. I, I kind of maybe maybe will reassess by the end of the night. But I thought this was a good match. It's more than clear Scorpio Sky is ready for that singles push. And we didn't need this match to know that. But what this match does achieve is, you know, to remind the audience that the guy exists and he is now a single star and he can go 50-50 with Cody. I like the way they laid out the match. Now the man here was a bigger aggressor. They didn't portray Sky as the underdog fighting from behind, nor did they portray Cody as the underdog that you're supposed to feel sympathy for. I think the idea was to simply portray Sky as an equal to Cody, which in itself will hopefully elevate his status from tag team guy to like a legitimate singles dude. And I thought that was good, but I was really disappointed at how quickly they cut away from him in the post-match, going right to Brody Lee on screen without any sort of focus on Sky's effort. You know, his ability to be an equal to Cody for most of this match, his ability to kick out of a crossroads. Like, we're, you know, there was actually some chatter about people thinking Sky was going to be the one to beat Cody here. So he was more than a serious contender, but I felt like the post match kind of failed him to, to treat him that way. I, I like the match. Um, I don't know if it was matches the show for me. Um, I, I did like the way they built this up. Like, this was not, yeah, Cody giving an opportunity. It was. If Sky wins, this is not an upset. Like, that's how they were building up Sky. Like, he is this guy who is quietly killing it, and he is more than ready for this with Cody. This is a dangerous match for Cody to take. And they're also very much pushing the idea that Cody is burning the candle at both ends. He's doing too much, and the wrong opponent is going to come along that's going to take advantage of this because he can't keep up this pace. Right. I think it would have... They should have like put the camera really close up on Scorpio Sky. It could have gone to like some sort of like judge's decision, and then he should have been looking at the back screaming, "Frankie, Frankie, Frankie," and you hear the result of the match just like faintly in the background, and the and the thing ends. Judge Walker scores it for Cody. <laughs> that would have been a nice way to put that focus on Scorpio Sky. I think. I mean, he was. I mean, he does. He did. Don the uh, the Apollo Creed tights many That's times. Right. That yeah, is right. So whole whole connection there. I to be honest, given uh, like the lineup that we had going into tonight's show, there were four matches announced. I thought there was a decent chance they would do the time limit here with these two. And I wouldn't like that would have totally made sense because I think Scorpio Sky like is at that level. Uh, he he's somebody who's on your roster who is certainly like more than paid his dues by this point on that roster. Um, and you know something like that would have definitely elevated him to. Uh, certainly like upper mid card status, but you know, coming out of this match, he felt a little bit like an afterthought. Brody Lee is on the screen. He says history is written by the winners and he will write an important part on August 22nd. And he holds up the old TNT title. Is this the old title or is this like a fake title? This is the old title. Like he's, he's, I guess there were two copies of this title. I don't know. Cause they like, said the, the completed title. So I thought they were just adding on to the old one, but I guess we had a makeshift title that Cody was wearing all this time and they ditched it. And this guy went like Hacksaw Jim Duggan and found the TV title in the garbage. So then he also says that he's going to give the old one back to Cody. Wait, I don't know what the purpose of this was. I, it's like, okay, you've got the old title. I've got the new one. Um, Cody, you know, like, dude, you can keep it. I don't need that one anymore that's yeah the, like uh, this is one where we'll see how this ends but i think apollo cruz and mvp did a better version of this where it was like what 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 does cody want the old thing for um 
And at the end, he just said TikTok to either uh, clap back at Karrion Cross or maybe to play off of uh, Lana and Natalia. Maybe he's the best of all time. Or both. both. Or both. You could you could be calling out Karrion Cross via TikTok. Yeah, this was a very strange setup to a match. Some seem like some some weird like miscommunication or maybe you and I just like missed a key line, but uh nonetheless it's Cody versus Brody Lee uh ten days. And yeah, they were really hyping it up that the next dynamite will be next Saturday, six PM, which is you know, they mentioned wrestling being back on Saturdays at, at six PM and will bleed into takeover that night. And that that weekend is going to be insane. That night has a UFC card, a takeover, a dynamite, and then we've got SummerSlam the next night. Oh my god. It's insane. Um, at least it's not G1. Could you imagine? Oh. Yeah. I mean I mean this year we were not going to run into that problem, but I, that was that was such an intense weekend last year when we had SummerSlam and TakeOver here and the G1 finals all on the same weekend. Although the next week after that is both Summer Struggle uh, in Jingu, the big show, and Payback. That's right. That's another packed weekend. Yeah, so the rest of like the summer is like pretty packed because then we have all out after that. Private party, their favorite team is the Hardys. Surprise. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. This was an AEW tag title match. And at the beginning, Jim Ross is getting pissed off at Marco Stunt getting involved all the time with his cute little hat. He's been getting a little froggy lately. Taz is sick of him. I'm kind of getting sick of him too. I mean, he's, he's like uh, an annoying little kid. He's like, um, if if Luchasaurus is Sonic, he's Tails. Tails he's just is always way... around. He's not all. He's sometimes just annoying. You kind of just want to ditch way him. More... Oh, because like Tails is just like always on the screen, and can also like cost you as well. It's like you can control Sonic, but you can't control Tails. I was, uh, yeah, Tails was, I you could switch them, but I don't think you could con- control both, like, not at the same really? time. Tails could just go go off and jump on some, like, spike and, and kill himself. You can't, con- you can't, like, switch? Because I, again, I, I think just... you can switch. I just don't, th- like, you, you, if you're controlling Sonic, you can't control Tails at the same time. But if, if Tails, like, so, so, okay, so you can switch the guy, but the other, if your partner gets touched, then you die? Wait, we are treading into a territory where I know there's like Sega Genesis experts out there that I don't claim to be, and I'm just dreading what the response to this will be. So I just want to move on. How's that going, by the way? I haven't played any Sonic. Uh, I haven't played any Sega for for a little bit. It's oh, just okay. been a uh, it's it's been on hold for a little bit. A- NBA Jam, I played a bit. Oh, I just finished that book today. How is it? It's excellent. It's so well researched. Um, again, uh, yeah, I, I'm not getting paid for this or, or anybody, but it's just it's a book I really enjoyed. NBA Jam by Ray and Ali. Um, is this your summer reading, NBA Jam, and then the Bellas? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to pick that one up. Um, I might, you know, I, I have also been trying to read a bit more lately, so I, I got a few books on the go. Uh, I might pick up, like, this one by You God from the Wu-Tang Clan up next that uh, C- uh, John Cena recommended. So I might do that. Anyway, so, you know, the reason why I ask is because, like, I was a Super Nintendo guy, so I never played Sonic. But like uh-huh. in, in Donkey Kong Country, you can switch between Diddy and Donkey easily. Um, and if somebody touches one, you don't die. That's stupid. I hated having Tails. Like just I just want Sonic. I don't want this like little thing orbiting me and following me like a shadow. So you never switched. Like you just used one. I 
as I recall, and I'm I'm relying on twenty plus years uh, of memories. I believe there was an option where you could just play without tails, and I would do that. I think you hated him that much. I wow. couldn't stand him. It served no function. <laughs> like, he wasn't helping me. It was just an albatross. Like the game's hard enough. I don't need this anchor on top. <laughs> Fuck tails. We can add that to to the biography of John Pollock. Hates tails. <laughs> Hates tails. Um, Paige came in and just murdered Jungle Boy with a sliding D. Ross yells that I know that they have a 10 count. Where are we keeping time? An hourglass? And then as he threw to the picture in picture, he's like, they're pointing out that like the, uh, the hashtag, guess what? No one's going to win a car. (laughs) Jim Ross was just in rare form here. He's, he was, yeah, he was having fun with these picture in pictures. He 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 seems to be really enjoying his job, which is awesome to see. Frankie Kazarian was watching alone. He was distanced and wearing his Killer Kowalski shirt, and they made the fact that he was alone, which should not be a, a strange controversy in this time. Applaud the man for being alone. Sure, that's right. What what do you think that's all leading to? Um, well, they're definitely putting in little teases of like SCU kind of being on their own. Um, and doing different things. What's so, he doing watching a tag team match? Well, that's where it goes. Like, is he is he scouting a new partner? Is he um, is he just watching? I mean, where did all that stuff where they would cut to Tully? Like, has that really materialized? I feel like it will. I feel like they're still doing something. And, you know, um, I, it, it's still a bit of a mystery right now. But I have faith that it'll pay itself off. Um, and we'll see about this, too, with, with Kaz. There's a V-trigger to the back of Luchasaurus, and then he hits two Snapdragons. Taz had the best back-to-back lines of the year. First, he said, Snapdragon on a dinosaur. And then Marco Stunt (laughs) starts laughing at Kenny, and he eats a Snapdragon, and Taz calls it, quote, knocked the water out of his ass. (laughs) What? Knocked the water out of his ass. That's a visual. Taz wow. is my commentator of the year after this back-to-back call. <laughs> the water <laughs> Snapdragon on a dinosaur <laughs> knocked the water out of his ass. <laughs> I thought this was great. That's I really is. enjoy Taz. Like, he, to me, has been just a great pickup by this company and can seamlessly go from, like, the hard-ass manager to, like, fun analyst as well. Like, he I, – I feel like we, we praise this man every week. I think he will be missed when once uh, you know the the regular three man team comes back, uh, at least on Dynamite. But um, yeah, I mean he he is very good. Jim Ross plugged the pay per view and he made a promise. He said, "We promise we are not going to disappoint you at the pay per view." All right. Or is that the tagline? Is that uh, you'll never see it coming? AEW All Out. We will not disappoint you. We promise. You promise? And that's gotta be part that's gotta be tagged on to all the promos when they plug all out. Mm. We promise we will not disappoint. Okay. So for some people I I feel like that they will be dis I mean it's inevitable. Somebody will be disappointed. There's a uh military press sending Marco Stunt onto Omega on the floor. Paige hit a big power bomb to Jungle Boy. 
sends him to Luchasaurus on the floor. Topicon Hero by Omega. And then we got the last call as they pin Jungle Boy in 13 minutes and 48 seconds. Uh, it seemed like they... Uh, I don't know if the ending, like, it just felt like it was a little off, but I don't know. I can't really put my finger on it, but I did think this was a, a pretty strong match that they had here. I, I thought both teams, like, felt a little bit clunky at times, and, and there certainly were parts that seemed mistimed, which I feel like I wouldn't normally say for either team's efforts. Um, I didn't think it was either team's best effort, and I really did feel like the lack of atmosphere was very no noticeable for a match like this, too. Yeah. Um, certainly, like, I think my opinion would be different if this was... Uh, really, if any of these matches had, like, some audio sweetening, but you can really tell, like, a match of this style, I think, would have really benefited uh, even more from it. So, I thought... I didn't really like it. I thought it was disappointing. I wasn't disappointed with it, but it, it there were definitely points that felt off. And I thought the ending, like... You read it out like it sounds like, you know, a uh, entertaining series of of sequences till the end, but I just felt like something it was just like the air was out by the end. Um but I couldn't really could be the, could be the sound. Yeah, I mean that's when you take out the sound and you're seeing all these impressive maneuvers, it's it's almost like they're they're not registering with people when you're not hearing that instant reaction to them. Like you're seeing this spectacular stuff, but without the reaction, it's kind of just moves for the sake of it, and that kind of takes the life out of the the whole point of the a match like this. It's the sound. It's the lack of uh, GoPros and uh, cutaways to like you know special camera angles. Agreed. Then we went to uh, Santana and Ortiz, who tossed the best friends' gear into the showers and poured bleach on them. They're not apologizing for Sue's van. And then they turn on the water, which really didn't land onto the gear, but uh, it just washes the bleach off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I you guess probably just was... clean the, clean the stuff for them. I mean, potentially. Yeah. I mean, um, bleach is probably pretty handy these days. You want to disinfect everything. Like were these guys just wandering around naked? Like where, what was their gear Street. needed for tonight? You always have, you always have your gear with you if you're a wrestler. Well, that was that. So we're we're building up to a uh, a van. Maybe it's going to be like small claims court where they are going to be owed for the van damage and now vandalism to their gear. And maybe Rob Van Dam can be the judge. Okay. Yep, that's possible. Uh, the best friends, they're going to have to destroy something of Santana and Ortiz's in response, I think. Uh, what do they have? Not that much. They got, like, ba the baseballs. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think. It's I okay. don't know. I don't know what's really close to them that that would uh, affect their their love. The Butcher and the Blade chose the Road Warriors, and we moved on to... Our in-ring segment with FTR, the Young Bucks, Arn and Tully, and the Rock and Roll Express, all decked out in their finest attire for this big show. Matt calls the Rock and Rolls the original Young Bucks. They created the style they use, and they spawned great teams. Man, could you imagine like BTE with the Rock and Roll Express? We'll probably get that next Monday. Oh, you're right. But like, what would have? Like, what would they even? It'd probably be like a home video that they would send out. 
But yeah, they, imagine if that's you know technology. what they have to do. What? Think about it. Fifty plus seconds with the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> Perfect. Absolutely yes. <laughs> so the Bucks say that the Rock and Roll Express spawned great teams like Sean, and I thought it would be censored, Marty, Matt, and Jeff, and then we came along. Dax Harwood admits that they are big marks for these teams in the ring. They get to make a living in this great profession because of these four. Dax says he's traveled the world for seven and a half years with his best friend and shouts out his daughter and wife, and he is able to give them a better life because of these four in the ring. A very heartfelt endorsement by Dax Harwood. Ricky Morton, really bucking the trend of AEW and NXT, says, I don't miss AEW. Any week, I am over 50, and I am contributing to that demo every Wednesday night. He says, we have never seen such chemistry since Tully and Arn, but in the last 15 years, the Bucks have dominated tag team wrestling, and they have brought it back to what him and Robert did in the 80s. The Young Bucks are the top team in the world. Arn says, I don't blow smoke because it leaves a bad taste. The Bucks have taken tag wrestling to a different stratosphere. He applauds them. But this may ruffle some feathers, but Arn says FTR are the best team in the world. And then, moment I have waited a goddamn year for, Tully Blanchard just rips the mic away and says, you don't want to start something you can't finish to Ricky. And he starts on Tom Brady, who's the greatest quarterback because he's got Super Bowl rings. And says, neither of you teams have the tag team titles. And he gets into Arn's face and talks about All Out from last year. And then we see Sean Spears coming out from the back. Arn says, I'm a grown man. I see what's going on here. I'm getting the fuck out of here. And then Ricky Morton nails Tully. And we have a big pull apart. Dax Harwood's knee goes out again. And then out of nowhere, Wheeler and... Uh, Harwood attack Ricky Morton with the knee brace and they proceed to hit Ricky Morton with the mind breaker as the young bucks run back as do Omega and page. And this is kind of how I think we thought the segment was going to go last week, but I was really glad that we got some Tully here on the, on the microphone. Oh, absolutely. He like, uh, he definitely, I mean, otherwise this, you know, was really just kind of turning out to be a, you're great guys. No, you're great. You're both great. Uh, so Tully definitely, like, you know, uh, was was cast in the most interesting role. But uh, coming out of, out of this whole thing, it, to me, I would classify this as, like, a bit of a soft heel turn from FTR. I feel like they will somehow try to make an excuse about this being personal towards the Rock and Roll Express, either because Ricky Morton attacked Tully or because, like, they hate what the Rock and Roll Express represent, I suppose. I didn't get a sense this was, like, a full turn in that they're now all of a sudden directly opposed to the elite. So what would be great is if this, uh, this led to FTR versus the rock and roll express. Oh, maybe Um, there's a lot of different directions that you could come out with this. Like it's like on one end, on one end, you could see them just doing some kind of three-way program because they made it a point to bring the tag champions into all of this. You also have the, the win last week that, was not really brought up here of Brody Lee and Colt Cabana that should lead to a title match as well. 
Um, or you can just split them off and it's two separate tag matches of where we get to. Are you expecting FTR and the Bucks straight up at All Out? Or do you think that it's going to be some variation to that? Yeah, well, judging by like how how the story has been so far, I mean, that does feel a little bit early. But then like they do have three episodes of Dynamite that they can get plenty of done, uh, plenty done for. So maybe like I, I could see that. Yeah, now that I think about it, because uh, if not all out can they drag the thing out to full gear yeah which um yeah which you're looking at like several months down the road um yeah it's like there's a lot of interesting options i think they they want to be very careful of when they get to ftr and the bucks because that's you know they're purposely holding off on that i think it was a smart move not to go to it instantly as the first match that you've been able to kind of you know make people really want that and and get to it like it's always been subtle of who's the best team in the world, but you also have neither are the tag champions. They should be the ones that are in that conversation. I think the, you know, potential horseman tees with FTR, uh, Tully and Sean Spears. And, you know, at this point we don't know if Arn is going to be involved. I thought they, they were throwing hints towards that too. I don't exactly know what, but um, the fact that they were all in the ring together with Sean Spears being there uh, probably wasn't just an accident. No, Alex Marvez is with Mike Chioda, the 33-year veteran, and Chris Jericho walks in, calls Marvez fathead, and says hi to Kiki. Kiki. Kiki, yeah. Is that his real nickname? It is now. I guess so. And Jericho says that he saved his job 18 years ago, and he wanted Chioda to officiate his match tonight, and he tells Chioda to do the right thing. And Kyoto says, I'm going to call it down the middle. Jericho says, sure, you call it down the middle and you wait for my signal. And maybe you'll get a job here in AEW, which brings about a lot of questions of how this guy is able to be handpicked to be the referee here. I mean, what kind of screening process was involved? And this is a clear um, conflict of interest. Well, we know playoff rules exist in AEW. They're incredibly vague. Um you know, he didn't outright say anything wrong. He said, hey, play by the rules. Wink, wink. Then, um, yeah. Man, this, this jacket, <laughs> it's it like, is so orange now. Like, way more orange than any It's like It's orange like neon piece. orange. This is like a hell of like a, I don't know what is going on in the Florida-based oranges, but I don't know. Like, this, this crop of oranges they got uh, has led to, like, this is frightening, like, what color this has become. It's definitely not from Concentrate. No, it didn't seem like it. Sammy Guevara comes out with his uh, with his signs. Did you watch this? Yeah. So this was all on AEW Plus. And it starts off with the signs, and then they go to break. And it just reads out, hey, Matt, what's wrong? Can't get me out of my – can't get me out of your head? Oh, well, you need to relax. Enjoy your night off. Too bad, though. And then a guy off camera yells, 15 seconds. So he starts speeding up. You've left your throne, pun intended. Typical, Matt, learning the hard way. So he just races through these. And then the guy off camera says, one more minute. And Guevara says, I thought you said 15 seconds. And so he just screws around for the rest of the time. And he's just like, you told me 15 seconds. And then when they finally got it, the guy yells, 15 seconds now for real. 
And then when we came back, it wasn't even on Guevara. So this, this was just like a very comical bonus scene. And I guess this, yeah, this must have been a very, very live show. <laughs> um, maybe he meant one fifteen. I think he did. I think he did think it was it was one fifteen because yeah, he he went about that amount of time. Uh live TV. This was all caught for people on AEW Plus. Hikaru Shida took on Heather Monroe, and Monroe starts making fun of Shida, and he gets hit with a flying knee. Falcon Arrow is reversed, and Monroe gets a two-count before Sheeta applies the stretch muffler and submits her in 224. Uh, really quick match. Um, I don't know if I got much of a sense of Monroe either way to have any sort of opinion. Um, it seemed just more a reason to showcase Sheeta because we haven't seen much of her lately. Uh, she didn't even have a whole lot to say. Well, Tony Schiavone interviews Sheeta and says, you have so many options. I would love to know what they are. Um, she says she's still waiting. Bring it on. The lack of depth in the division is is incredibly glaring. And um, I know they're doing this tag team thing. Uh, there are female wrestlers appearing on Dark uh, all the time. But none of them are ready for Sheeta. Uh, or at least not ready for this level. She's like Asuka. Yeah. nobody. Um, you're not ready for it. So, um, I don't know. These are like certainly, um, you know, much of the criticism that AEW has received has been, uh, uh, about its women's division. And, um, I, I, I don't know if it's, if I see like, you know, any possible immediate changes. Do you? I mean, we're talking about like, we're only a couple of weeks out from this pay-per-view. It's not like anyone has really been built up. Like the... They were starting something with Nyla Rose, but they haven't really moved forward with that um, because she's been in the tournament and has not been on Dynamite for a few weeks. She was in the crowd this week. Okay. Um, and, and can they even go back to Rose and Sheeta again? Didn't they just do that? Well, they did that. That was the title switch. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they have three episodes. Like, uh, I, I'm sure she'll get a match. I just, uh, I wonder who it is at this point. Well, uh, we then went to one of the most bizarre segments. Jake Roberts is with Lance Archer in the locker room. Dude bumps into Archer, so Archer murders this guy. Archer comes back and asks Jake if he told them. He did not. So Archer rips off Jake's shirt, which is quite the sight in 2020, and he turns around, and on his back, it reads, Everybody Dies. It, it what is. the hell was this? <laughs> what the hell was this? Well, can't you picture it in the back? Like Lance Archer saying, Hey, I want you to say this, Jake. Uh, my tagline. Everybody dies. I don't want to say that. That's really mean. Well, I'm going to write it on your back then. <laughs> in black marker. Um, I I I took this more so just as a way for like Archer to take a bigger step into the spotlight for these types of, types of segments. You know, originally with these, it was just Jake talking, and this is also the case with like Taz and Cage, where just these promos end up like only really benefiting the manager and not so much the wrestler. Um, I love the idea of having Lance Archer just like wreck guys in the background while Jake is talking. I love that, uh, but certainly like taking the shirt off with the thing on the back on his back was was a bit strange. 
They did plug um, the Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament as well as AEW Dark uh, with the semifinals airing on Monday, uh, which are going to see uh, we're down to Big and Lil Swole, who is Nicole Savoy against Brandy Rhodes and Allie, and Ivelisse and Diamante against uh, Tay Conti and Anna Jay. And then the finals will be on next Saturday's Dynamite. Right. Yeah. So we're getting both matches on Monday? Yes, both will be on Monday show, and then the finals on Saturday. Right. They're also, uh, in this Wednesday night time slot next week on YouTube, they're going to air part one of All Out at 8 p.m. So, counter-programming in a sense um, via YouTube, uh, I don't know how much that's going to affect NXT next week. For this particular audience, yeah, I don't really see it. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's nice to do something, I suppose, because you have. To I, I think there's audience. a good idea to, yeah, exactly, to at least have something in that slot uh, for the AEW fan that maybe does want to watch it, but it's at least trying to keep people's habits. Like, it is not ideal to have to move around different nights, but it's what they're mm-hmm. tasked with, and you do what you can. It's it's not a great scenario. I feel like it, this is more so for like the new fans of AEW who might have just tuned in at some point this year, never saw All Out last year. Uh, it was, from what I remember, a really good show, I think. I think they're all usually pretty good shows. Uh, but, you know, if you're just an AEW fan who just started watching them this year, this is a good excuse to go and sample one of their bigger pay-per-views. Um, you know, um, they did uh, announce the brackets. I really would lo- like, I really do wonder why they don't show highlights, at least of both this women's tag team tournament nor dark. Is it just that they don't consider, you know, any of this stuff important enough? I don't know what the reasoning is. I mean, this was more than last week in terms of promoting the women's tournament. Um, you at least got the matches listed, but yeah, it, it might just be to them. Um, you know, it's a segment where they don't want to dedicate a whole lot of time to, you know, stuff that is not, action in the ring that it's you know recap stuff does not keep people's attention and they want to maybe limit this it's true i do understand that um uh but you know at the same time it's like they're trying to build this women's tag finals for the next edition of dynamite and with you know for many viewers uh not having seen any of this or knowing the stories of like the pairings of these matches i i feel like that's going to be a really cold match potentially you know yeah, it could, I, I I think it could. I mean, granted, you're in this setting, um, so you're going to be able to enhance it that way. But to the viewer at home, yeah, I, I don't know how much it's, it's going to have behind it. So for, for the next Dynamite, Saturday, August 22nd, they did warn people the start time is 6 p.m. or when the NBA game ends. So it's a it's a flex time. Gotcha. FTR versus Private Party. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against uh, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and Alan Angels. The finals of the Women's uh, Tag Team Cup Tournament. Darby Allen in action. There will also be an eight-man with Pentagon Jr., Ray Phoenix, Butcher and the Blade against Dustin Rhodes, QT Marshall, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy, as well as Cody versus Brody Lee for the TNT title. Man, as always, like anytime they announce these, these shows on paper, um, they always look great. Tony Schiavone gave out a birthday shout-out to Bob Cottle for uh, earlier this month. And then we went to the main event, Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. They immediately go to the floor, and Jericho gets sent into the guardrail, and Cassidy comes off the top with his hands in his pocket, leaping from the turnbuckle. 
Uh, Cassidy hit the uh, the Kanemaru deep impact DDT coming off the ropes and then ran into a boot from Jericho. Jericho would take over. And as he gave the middle finger to the crowd, lifted up Cassidy for a delayed suplex. He did another one where he was doing squats and then hit the lion salt. Cassidy is coming back with his weak punches, but then he ducks and nails Jericho with a super kick and proceeded to hit him with two dragon screws, leaped off the turnbuckle and got caught into the walls of Jericho that Cassidy turned into a small package. Then he apply, uh, escaped, applying an ankle lock to Jericho. Jericho hit him with the code breaker. And then Jericho goes for Floyd the Bat and gets warned by Kiki. And Jericho tells Kiki, turn around. And Kyoto reluctantly turns his back. But then his conscience takes over. He grabs the bat away from Jericho. And this leads to a near fall spot with Cassidy rolling him up. Follows with a Michinoku driver and then hits the orange punch. The Superman punch. And the best friends and Santana and Ortiz all of a sudden come out of the tunnel fighting Kyoto gets distracted by this, and it allows Jake Hager to run into the ring, lift up Cassidy, and slam him down, but this only generates a two-count for Jericho. Jericho hits him with a low blow. Cassidy then ducks the Judas effect, and he uses the mouse trap, which is kind of like a Russian leg sweep setup into a cradle. This was a, 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 a pinning cradle that uh, Brian Blair actually used to use in the, in the Mid-South days. And Cassidy catches him with the mousetrap and pins Jericho in 1348. I thought the match was laid out really well. You know, we didn't have hands in pockets shenanigans from Cassidy here. Like, we had full effort Orange Cassidy right from the jump. And I thought throughout the match, his intensity was uh, fantastic. Um, I There were portions that I felt of this match that looked really clunky. In particular, like the Dragon Screws. And even the finish, you know, some of these moves just didn't look the best. But I also feel like this was a match that, you know, I, I enjoyed. And um, it, but it was also really apparent to me that it would have really benefited as well from that fuller crowd noise. Um, the moment of achievement for Cassidy at the end here didn't really feel as big as it should have been. Um, but there's, you know, unfortunately, not much they can do about that. So. No, they're limited with that. I guess I was only surprised that by the end of this, like you could see the function it was serving that here is Cassidy getting a big win. And I think you have to advocate for, you know, you take someone and they get the big win at the end. But I was really expecting this to segue somewhere for Jericho for all out because several weeks out, like, I don't know what this guy's doing at all out. And I guess I was expecting some kind of hint towards that by the end of this. And I don't, I don't think this, program necessitates a third match i don't think so either at least not now um, yeah they can do it of course but i i and I, if they didn't even do it i feel like there would be enough interest you know it's a rubber match uh but you, you know, need a big stipulation attached to it i just don't know if going to the well like with three matches in mm -hmm. a month it just seems like a lot and inevitably i i don't know if coming off of the third match you end with a cassidy win um, and you know, if Cassidy ends up losing, then what really is the point of all this? Um, I agree. But, but if he does win, you know, is that too many losses for a Chris Jericho, uh, too soon? So may, yeah, maybe there are problems with booking another match, but I mean, I'm sure they could be creative and if they really needed, uh, it is like the hottest program that they've been building up for on the show for like quite a while. So I could see them going back to it, but they do have three weeks and I think they could build up like somebody, somebody new for Jericho in that time. Build up was really good for the for this match. Um, match was good. I enjoyed it, but 
maybe maybe just not perfect and you know that again maybe just goes towards like my really high expectations for AEW at this point because this show has been so good so consistently and this show was billed as sort of like you know a bit of an event with a really hot main event that I was really excited for and perhaps it is a combination of just like that atmosphere missing that crowd noise uh, or just maybe some of these matches not delivering on the level that I, that I, I was personally expecting but it was an enjoyable show uh, but slightly underwhelming perhaps yeah, I thought like this was um, a lineup that looked spectacular a week out. And regardless of what people thought of the show, whether it met people's expectations or slightly below, I do think like numbers wise, like this looked like a really strong show. So we'll see. And, and they've certainly got the momentum behind them. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It's always kind of hard to like forecast where these these numbers come out. But on paper, this certainly looked like a show that should do well. Mm-hmm. All right. That was Dynamite. Let us go to the forum and see what everyone had to say about tonight's show. The people on the forum gave this show a 7.61 out of 10. And we start off with Matt, who writes, A decent show, but felt like it was missing something. I enjoyed the tag title match and the main event, but the Cody-Scorpio match was disappointing, especially with that weird finish. The women's match was pretty much there, and again, no mention of the... uh, There was mention of the women's tag tournament. They definitely mentioned that. Gives the show 7 out of 10. What's he referring to with with the weird finish in Scorpio and Cody? Um, yeah, it was crossroads. Yeah, it was just uh, you know, he caught him. It was like the counter to the uh the leaping uh cutter that he had hit previously in the match, and he kind of just yeah. you know scouted it and had a counter for it. So yeah, it wasn't that strange, unless maybe he just thought it was going to be a different outcome for Scorpio. We got Andrew from Cape Breton who says, pretty good show tonight. I was assuming the tag team celebration thing was going to lead to the Rock and Roll Express versus FTR. And that definitely seems like it's a, it's the direction. Ricky and Robert were the PCO of 2019. And this could finally be something for the 50 plus crowd. Granted, based on the show buzz daily ratings, Tucker Carlson is huge with the 50 plus people. So maybe AEW shouldn't go in that direction. They also seem to really hype up the show next week with some major matches. I think Brody Lee might end up taking the belt from Cody as it would be something big to happen on the show. The women's match was okay, but it still feels feels like AEW feels forced to feature women's wrestling. I think more dropper matches to establish the women they have would help, but not just only one per show. Six Ayatollah... Oh god, I'm not going to read that. Noah from Vaughn, not a bad show tonight by any means, but AEW has such high standards that even a show that's good would be considered below average. The opener is really solid, and tag team appreciation segment was fantastic. Love that submission from Sheeta as well. I'm curious where Scorpio goes from here. I think he's got everything it takes to be a big star in AEW, and I thought it would have been a great option to go with him as TNT champion. One last thing, remember a few months ago when Cody first won the TNT title, his first promo with Tony, he mentioned how Tom Brady is his favorite quarterback. Well, tonight, unprompted, Tully said the same thing. Uh oh, knowing how AEW does things, I think that line was a coincidence. 7.5. Don't think that line was a coincidence. 7.5 out of 10. Let's go one further. What state is Tom Brady now playing in? It's Florida. Who's his new teammate slash old teammate? Is Gronk going to be in the AEW Horseman? Um, it all ties together. I don't think so. No. You know, I don't. I, yeah, of course. But, I mean, they are playing in the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium. I mean, I'm sure there are rules against all that. Yeah, are right? the Buccaneers uh, open for wrestling angles that, in Jacksonville? Mm. I mean, that's that's a big question. Hmm. 
All right, we got Alex in Portland who says, on paper, tonight looks great. But on execution, nothing felt like it lived up to the hype. Scorpio Sky was just fine. The main event had too many shenanigans, and the Jurassic Express match just felt off. I'm excited to see Brody Lee get a shot against Cody. Cody doesn't need the win, but Mr. Brody doesn't seem like the right person to take the TNT Championship right now. If I had one complaint about the show, it was the pushing of all the supplementary pro- programming. Go to YouTube and watch Being the Elite, AEW Dark, and the Women's Tag Show. Asking me to watch a two-hour show once a week is fine, but asking me to go online to watch three YouTube shows is overkill. A six out of ten. Okay, I'm um, going to disagree there. It's, I disagree too. They're promoting their content. They are not. They are not. You is not your obligation that you have to go with what they are promoting and watch this. But I mean, that was the complaint last week was that they were not promoting the, this digital content. And if you, especially now with dark. And with this women's tag tournament, you're doing all these matches during this pandemic. You might as well promote what you're you're doing as opposed to it just exists online. So, no, I would disagree with that. If you're going to do this, promote what you're doing. When we promote all of our shows coming up this week, both on our show, uh, our network. We demand you next. listen to every second and we're taking attendance at the beginning of every show. These are all options. If you want to, you uh, we're letting we're making you aware that these things are, are there. And certainly with the way that they did those plugs, um, showing you no in-ring action, I would say at no point that I feel compelled to to look at any of this supplementary programming as like mandatory viewing. Um, I, I feel like they should be doing more, if anything, for these shows. Uh, he also asks, Alex says, are you more excited for All Out SummerSlam or TakeOver 30? Um... I mean, all out, we've got one match, so I, I don't know how... I think just by reputation uh, and, and just by, like, the product at the moment, I'm I'm going to say all out. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not looking forward to any of the shows. Like, I think SummerSlam, I think they've done a really great job with Orton and Drew McIntyre. And I think... A- I think there's a fair amount of curiosity to see Rollins and Dominic. Um, beyond that, I can't say it feels, like, much different of a show... Takeover, it's I don't know. I'm I don't have the same um level of intrigue as past takeovers, uh with two with uh tonight's episode and next week's still left. Yeah, I'm definitely like a lot colder on NXT lately. Um, but you know, we're what is this? A week away? They've got yeah, a, a week, ten days. Yeah. Right. Kenny writes I almost didn't watch the show tonight. The Jericho stuff was just too much for me, and I think AEW management should be ashamed for not staying strong in their COVID policy. But ultimately, I'm a tag team wrestling fan, and I just couldn't pass up tag team appreciation night. Um, we what talked is to- their COVID policy. Well, it's kind of we're they test they test, and, and if you pass the test, then you're allowed in the building. That seems to be their only policy. Yeah, I I wrote about this in my update today. I really believe like with hindsight and foresight that once it was known he was going to do these these shows like you can't force him not to do these fozzy shows if he's adamant about doing it but at that point i think the call should have been made that either we're we're taping this cassidy match at the last cycle of tapings to air tonight or we delay it two weeks to the next set of tapings and not and like obviously he was tested and did the show and there wouldn't have been any uh you know they they tested him, but at the same time, you can't say with 100% certainty. And to me, I just wouldn't – that would be too much risk that I would be comfortable uh, inviting. Like if this guy wants to do these shows, 
you go do them, but you're going to miss this cycle of tapings. And then you come back after two weeks. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at the same time, like, can you keep track of your entire roster and what they're doing on their off time? No, but this was, this is not like, this was a public thing. This was a very public thing and you can only monitor what you're made aware of. And I'm sure AEW knew he was doing these shows. It was not like they just logged on on Thursday and saw photos. Um, I think just that like that discussion to me, like if it was my company and I'm looking at this and assessing the the risk and reward, that would have been the call I would have made is that, okay, we're going to either tape it in advance or we're going to delay this. But for the safety of everyone, you go quarantine for two weeks after these shows and then you come back. I just cannot take that, that potential risk because that's out of our control. We can't control what's going on in North Dakota, South Dakota, and where these shows are happening. If this was... Um, you know, pineapple Pete or like number nine or number four, or number seven or whatever. And they were playing like a live concert at Sturgis. Do you feel like AEW would have done something? If pineapple Pete had his own concert at the Sturgis rally, I think that would be the headline right there of what that, <laughs> what that, uh, what that show would be like. Um, yes, I do not think pineapple Pete would have been, brought in here if that was the case and he had just performed in South Dakota. Anyway. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, at this point it's like, uh, we all know like a lot about COVID and if people just, I, I, I almost feel like it's not my place to like, you know, say, say anything at this point. It's like, we all know what, what the stakes are. Um, and people, certain people choose to take a certain level of risk that they're comfortable with. That's it. And then, and that's what these companies are going to do. They're going to be, it's what level of risk are we comfortable with? Whether it's Chris Jericho here, whether it's Ric Flair and WWE. I mean, these are all going to be uh, levels of risk that the companies are ultimately going to, like, what are we comfortable doing and what are we not? And knowing that, you know, you are inviting potential problems and you hope for the best that they're, uh, that you don't have the worst case scenario. Uh, Kenny goes on to say, after seeing Jericho and Orange Cassidy, I really can't understand why that match had to happen tonight and couldn't be pushed back. The match was nothing special. And watching Jericho yell directly into Kiki's face just made me uncomfortable. Is it bad that my favorite storyline is between two 60-year-olds? I can't wait to see what they do with Arn and Tully. Although, if either of them or the Rock and Roll Express get sick, I'd be pretty upset. I'm not sure why Excalibur wasn't on the show tonight, but I thought that once again, he was really missed. Seven Jake Hager ponytails out of ten. We got a Jared finally who says, Another good dynamite as I've come to expect. I can't overstate how much having a hot opening match helps set the table for an exciting episode. MJF is still entertaining, but I'm nearing the point of not needing to see him every week. The updated TNT belt looks beautiful now that it's finished. Will Cody's match at All Out have the competitor advertised, or will it be built as a big surprise? Uh, I feel like they, sh- they, sh- they should announce if it's a pay-per-view. You know, there's no point in surprising, I feel. Yeah, right? I I think so, too. Unless you've got. Yeah, I, I, Come I think on. if it's anybody of note, they should advertise. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, he, he also says tag team segment was incredible and Tully was the MVP of it. Tully was event, great. 
the MVP, the main event felt a little flat. I don't think it had the intensity of their previous match, and the ending was very awkward. Happy to see Kyoto working for AEW. I thought that all of the the release of all the releases in April, April, he was the most surprising. To be released so unceremoniously after that many years of service to WWE was very callous. I thought. Well, it looks like uh, you know maybe he will uh, continue with AEW. So there you go, Mike Kyoto. This is the most feedback we've ever gotten on Mike Kyoto in one night. Kiki. Uh, that is true. Kiki. Kiki, as he should be known. Oh, one last word of note. Uh, quick plug for our friend Brent Chitterton. And uh, many of you guys will have uh, rem- will remember that uh, several weeks ago, he was in contention for hosting his own radio show. Uh, and-, <laughs> and you people swarmed the polling. So Dude, we fucking did it. We got this man his own radio show. And Darkside Radio, I'm pleased to announce, will be debuting tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern. This will be a Thursday show. 9 p.m. Eastern seems to be the time slot for the time being. And you can listen to it on 891maxfm.ca. 891maxfm.ca. Or you can follow at Darkside underscore radio. I believe it's like a lot of goth, a lot of industrial. uh, So let Brent know what you think of the show. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Way and I are going to be back. Well, I'll be back Thursday with uh, James Lynch chatting uh, UFC 252 coming up Saturday. And then Friday night, it's me and Way live, 10, 15 p.m. Eastern time for Rewind a Smackdown. As we're going to find out, will there be retribution on Smackdown? I'm willing to bet yes. Can't wait. What what could be um, in danger on Friday? Could we get uh, a flat tire could we get someone taking the batteries out of the fire alarm? Oh, damn. Cold. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe somebody will replace um, the soap dispenser with oil. Ooh, brutal. Yeah, the pranks are endless. Uh, we will recap them all on Friday. Uh, so thank you, everybody. That's it for us. Good night.